tired. So tired. Hey listeners, you are tuned into Overtired. I am uh, Brett Terpstra. We are back after a week off. Uh, I'm joined by Jeff Severns Gunsel and Christina Warren. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Hi. Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Glad glad to be here. Uh, glad to be back with both of you because it's been a while since we've uh, done a pod together because you were gone, Brett, and then we took some time off. So... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and before that, we took some time off. We've been a little um, scattered for late a summer. couple months. I, late summer schedule. I was about, I was going to say, it is the dog days of summer. Like, I, I don't know if this is how it is at Oracle, Brett, but I know that like uh, at, at Microsoft and, and also GitHub, like basically people don't work the entire month of August. Like, it's just one of those, that those months would where explain. everybody's out. So. It seemed really strange. What are you, a bunch of Europeans over there? <laughs> Basically. So, so like Oracle had a bunch of layoffs, uh, like a huge number of layoffs. And I don't even know the full extent of it, but um, I was on vacation when the big round of layoffs happened and I got back and things were so quiet. I was wondering if I had been laid off and they just didn't tell me. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, just well, kind of well. like edged me out. Well, my like band my first- did that to me back in college. <laughs> well, okay. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Christine. No, stopped inviting say- me to rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you found out you were out of the band. No, I was yeah. going to say, like, like genuinely, like, is everybody on your team okay? Like, Yeah. My okay. entire team is, like, a. we met stretch goals, like, all through last year. And, like, our team shows uh, real results. And okay. I've been told by... By the like second in command at Oracle, we've been told we're safe. Okay, uh, which is a big—it's a big relief. I I need I need to have a job right now. So totally, totally. Uh, no, I, that that's why I was asking before we got into any other like jokiness stuff. I just wanted to like <laughs> sure. make sure, like, because because I, when I, I saw that and I I I knew we were going to be talking, and I was like, if something had happened, like I would have seen something, I would have heard something. But I uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody on your team was um, was okay. According yes. to an obscure uh, business newspaper called the Wall Street something something, mm-hmm. the layoffs primarily hit Oracle's advertising and customer experience group as company emphasizes cloud and healthcare IT services. Healthcare IT services. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't even know they did that, but but <clears throat> yeah, it's a big company, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What's it? Healthcare, healthcare, like they just bought Cerner. Jeez. So why are they laying off? I don't. What's probably another part. Of, it's, it's it's probably another. I it's probably another part of the a healthcare thing. Who knows? I mean, right. I'm just thinking. Like, you know how it is with giant companies. Like, there are. I think there are two or three different health divisions at Microsoft that are in different mm. parts of the company. So who even knows? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> but Brett, you and your basement are uninfected. <laughs> right. This is important, though. So. It is important. Yeah. Down no, here in no my joke. bomb shelter. That's right. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk a little mental health. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll kick it off because it's kind of short for me. Um, I uh, I've been hypomanic for uh, a little over a week, uh, which is extremely long for me for a manic episode. But also, I'm sleeping every night. Will you explain just, for people who don't know the difference between hypomanic? I mean, you've talked about being manic a lot, but hypomanic yeah. doesn't come out well, of your mouth. So often. I'm I'm kind of I'm probably misusing that phrase, but what I mean by it is um I'm sleeping like four to six hours a night. I'm waking up, I'm not overly obsessive, but I'm definitely um uh easily easily get like one track mind on like a coding project in a way that I don't when I'm stable. And honestly, it's been overall very productive. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of that sweet spot of like uh, being able to create new things uh, with while still getting some sleep and not killing myself. Um, I do need to get back to getting eight hours of sleep. Uh, it is wearing me down. Um, but in general, like I'm not, not talking too fast. I'm not, uh, I'm not hiding in my office while I should be like hanging out with my girlfriend. And, um, yeah, like it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's the sweet spot. I just, if I could combine this level of productivity with, 
eight hours of sleep, I'd actually be really happy. Well, that would kind of be the dream, though, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, you could have like right? that amount of productivity and like get hours of sleep. Isn't that like like isn't that, like the plotline of the of like the movie slash TV series Limitless? Like, isn't yeah, that the whole exactly? Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, when I saw that, when I saw that the movie and the show, I kept thinking that it was basically like the drug was Focalin, except without like like a perfect version of Focalin. And I was like, I need that. I want that drug. Yeah, no, I, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, this is like provigil, but like better. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, I want this. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my mental health update. I'm I'm doing okay. I'm I'm looking forward to kind of crashing and hopefully the any any depression that follows it will be equally as mild. And mm. and I'll just kind of yeah. Anyway, I'm kind of relieved to know I can still have mania a little bit on my new med schedule. Um, I do like, I I sadly rely on it. Yeah. It's kind of disgusting. It's sick. It's sick how I kind of rely on my bipolar to succeed in the world. It's not Um, disgusting. It's like a a part of your like core identity in the most pure sense. It's like how how you know (laughs) how to live. And how, you know, the experience of living has gone. I have found that since I've started being more open about bipolar, I get a little embarrassed to publish like new projects because in my head, I think everybody knows that me publishing this means I'm having a manic episode. Um, But I know, you know why, you know, what hides it? You're incredibly well um, sort of, reasoned and paced documentation and blog posts. <laughs> You're, the, the way you write is so just sort of calm. You would never guess this is someone who's experiencing mania <laughs> when you when you release something and write it. You can tell by the content, like how much you are sharing, yeah. that there's been a lot of work happening, but it's yeah. like you have such a calm and collected way of talking about your software and your it's tools. quantity and quality. <clears throat> That's right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's my gratitude for the day. Jeff, Brett's, you want to go? You want to go? You want to tell us your mental health? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, one thing I've been really grateful for this past couple of weeks is just, you know, something that I think you can learn it a couple of ways. You can learn it by dabbling <laughs> in Buddhism um, and uh, like white liberals love to do, like myself, you know, um, and you can, and, and I have learned it through therapy, this idea of rather than um, really just like banging on myself about some pattern of behavior or way of being and just going through these sort of like shame cycles, just having help to kind of step outside myself and just be curious. Like that's like a really key word to be curious. It's like, huh, I wonder why I do that. Or like, I wonder, I wonder like a big one that comes up for me is like, okay, so this thing I do clearly served me at some point. Right. And probably even helped me or saved me at some point. I don't really need it anymore. And my, my body and my mind just didn't get the message, right? I don't, I don't need this behavior pattern to protect me uh, anymore. And like being able to just be curious, that's all I, that's kind of my mental health update is like, I, I have had those opportunities, especially through therapy over the last couple of weeks to step outside of the, like the shame cycle and, and beating myself up and um, thinking about all the ways in which, you know, behavior patterns make things worse for me or for others. And just to be kind of curious. And when I can step into that space, I'm so much more self-compassionate. And that window is sometimes really short, right? Like you can be curious about yourself, maybe inside the hour of therapy, and then you walk it back into your world and, you are not curious anymore. You're just mad at yourself or whatever. But just my my uh, <laughs> my gratitude for um, for people and things and 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 books and whatever that helped me to step out of myself for a minute and be curious has been uh, a big deal for my mental health over the years and definitely in the last couple of weeks. Um, otherwise, cats. Before we recorded, I was like. I was actually like not like running and trying to get ready to record. I was just sitting on the couch and my cat walked over and just like laid in my lap. And I'm like, this is what you're fucking supposed to do <laughs> when I sit down, come over and lay in my lap. And it was so chill and calm. And so I came into this podcast feeling good, but 
that's that's a mental health update of sorts. Hey, what about so, you, Christina? Wait, oh, wait, you got something? You, okay, when sorry. you when you when you do therapy, do you do um, video therapy or do you go see people in person? I do video therapy, and 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 something really important about the curiosity piece is I have for the last several years my therapy has been with a, a practitioner who can do EMDR, which is a sort of trauma therapy, eye movement therapy that like, huh. um, essentially you go through these interesting, um, cycles where like you're having normal seeming therapy, you're kind of identifying an issue or something that's particularly hard. Um, I'm going to do the really quick version cause I'm not, <laughs> not licensed. So I can only speak from my experience. So, you know, you start your therapy as you would, Maybe over one or two or three appointments, you identify sort of a, something really sort of crystalline, something that's like, yeah, this is a, an event or a, an image in my head that is really sticks with me. Maybe it's literally something that's traumatic or just maybe something that um, causes you disturbance, right? And with EMDR, there's this kind of interesting um, thing you do that's almost like a dream state a little bit. So the eye movement part is handled on video by literally two dots that just go left and right and left and right. And the idea is your eyes just follow them. This is a very old, I mean, a trauma therapy, I think goes back to the 70s. Um, and I've used it for some big stuff. Um, and what happens is you identify the most troubling part of the thing you're thinking of, right? Like what's the most troubling part? It could be, you know, an image. Uh, it could be um, a thought, right? And you sort of like lay that out. And then you're asked to sort of, you're asked to like come up with a negative um, cognition. Like what's a negative statement that you feel is true about you when you imagine yourself in this situation, right? Um, I am da da da, right? We all have I am statements that are just things we'd rather not even say on a podcast, but we, we believe to be true about ourselves, right? Um, and then you go through um, this kind of series of, you know, all right, I'm going to, you know, the, the therapist will do the eye movement thing. It can be done with fingers. It can be done with lights uh, in your hand if you're in person, and it can be done as I do it online um, with just these two dots that bounce back and forth. And you're just, the idea is just sit with it, sit with whatever the last kind of feeling you had was. And they do that for about, you know, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Stop. What are you feeling? You know, you kind of just, you go through this like um, repetitive thing where it's like you're working your way into this image and what are you feeling? What are you thinking about? And what's, um, and this is the curiosity, right? It's like, it, it says, okay, so this is the thing you're really stuck on this one image, right? Um, now let's just like go inside that image as like deeply as you're comfortable going. And you go through this cycle of like eye movement. Okay. What are you feeling? That usually leads to something slightly new. Uh, okay. Let's go with that. And you know, eye movement. And it's just, it's just this nice, really nice cycle. And my experience of it, and that's the best I can explain it, but others could do a good job. My experience of it is whatever I've brought to EMDR as something I need to work on. And it could be something like a major trauma, or it could be, I mean, I, I once brought a certain kind of nightmare that I had repetitively. Um, and, and whatever you bring to it, it just gives you the space to just be curious about it. And when you're curious about it, in my experience, I always end up coming out on the other side, understanding it in a very different way than I did going in. Um, and so anyway, I do therapy by video and I do EMDR two things that I didn't think would be possible therapy by video and EMDR by video before the pandemic, but I've really That's loved cool. it. Yeah. I've yeah. been I, like the, the <clears throat> brief foray I did into video therapy. Uh, it was, it was productive. I, I didn't hate it. Uh, I felt like I would, ha I would be more open and comfortable in like, you know, on a couch, uh, in someone's office. But, mm -hmm. um, I was just curious, uh, if, if it worked for you. So that's good. To well, know. what I dislike is, um, I almost always have to do it in my office Yeah, and it's just hard to go from work to therapy to work right. all in the yeah. same space, same. The same seat and the same, you know, like same. that. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. That was my, that was pretty much, that's what bugged me too. Uh, yeah. Like I, I would, I would feel like opening up more if I weren't also in the place where I conducted all of my business. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway.
Yeah. And I recommend finding a way to switch locations if you can. I can't always, but it makes a big difference for me. I could take my phone out into the woods and have yeah, a therapy. That's right. That's right. Christina, how about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually funny we're talking about this because as soon as uh, our podcast ends today, I'm actually uh, going to be talking to my shrink um, and uh, having my my monthly um, appointment with, with him. Um, but even though I've been seeing him for like 20 years, except for like the period of time that I ghosted him, um, more for more than a decade, like I've been seeing him um, remotely, like we've done stuff over the phone. So mm. I don't even have in-person stuff. So it's interesting kind of like hearing that experience. I think uh, like, I obviously wouldn't be able to do the sort of um, uh, some of the, the therapy that you do um, uh, Jeff, where you need to see someone and like, you know, they're, they're looking in your eyes and, and you're having that type of, uh, of, of like, you know, that type of therapy I wouldn't be able to do over the phone. Uh, and he's not really technically, technically savvy enough for us to yeah, yeah. FaceTime or Skype that's thing. Like, thing. <laughs> that, that's like not him. Like he's in his seventies and, and, you know, he's very, very good at what he does, but like not a tech guy. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's interesting because I also have dealt with that over the years of like, okay, am I in a space where I can feel like I can be free to actually say what I want to say? And, and sometimes that's meant, you know, walking around outdoors and doing other mm. things. I actually, this was nice back when, um, I, uh, I worked at Microsoft proper. I had an office and I had a private office for most of my time there. Ooh. And that actually wasn't terrible. A, it was nice because I could podcast from it if I had to, like I could either go in earlier or, or late and like had a nice like podcasting space. But B, it was honestly nice sometimes because, you know, like you've got the door closed and you've got something else going on. <clears throat> you know, somebody sees you on a phone call, like they're not going to bug you. And, you know, you can kind of like feel a little more free than you might like if you're at home and if there are people, you know, around, you know, in your family and stuff, which can make things a little more awkward um, when you're doing a therapy appointment, right? Like not that there's like, not that anybody's like judging or listening in or whatever. It's just, you don't always feel as free to be able to be open in that way. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. So you do yours by phone and this is Mm -hmm. someone you've known since you were a kid probably. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Since I was like 18. Um, and, um, and so I trust him a lot and he does, you know, like, uh, you know, medicine, but also does, you know, like normal therapy. Like he's, he's like a rare, like, uh, you know, shrink who also does like, like therapy. And, and there've been times in my life where I've definitely, um, uh, gone to him more frequently than monthly, but it's okay. been, it's been monthly for a while. And sometimes I have to do it more frequently. I am going to go on a tangent now. My mental health is, is incidentally, it seems pretty fine. I am annoyed with this though. So apparently the DEA just passed some new thing where to fill like, uh, like certain types of, of schedule, like, you know, two or schedule three drugs or whatever. Like you have to have like the, if it's out of state, like your home address has to be on the script and the birth date and all this other stuff. And it totally fucked me because I went to get my Dexedrine filled. And they gave me this thing. It apparently went into effect on on July 26th. And they're like, yeah, sorry, we can't fill your your meds for you because it doesn't have this stuff on it. And it has to be written by the doctor. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, oh and then it was at a doctor's office. Like, A, I couldn't, I don't feel like I'd be confident in forging his um, handwriting and, and style. <laughs> B, which look, I, it, it, for certain doctors, I would totally have like, yeah, we're, yeah, all, yeah. we're all friends of this podcast. <laughs> I would do it. But also like the area, like if, if I were in like one of the rich neighborhoods, maybe it'd be fine. But in this case, I'm like, I don't want to be like somebody think that I'm like a drug seeker. I'm like, no, I'm actually just trying to get my fucking pills filled. Yes. So, so now I'm, I'm in like this frustrating thing where, um, I'm glad I have a call with him. And a little bit, actually, I was supposed to have a call with him last week. It, I would have been really pissed if he'd written me scripts last week that I, and mailed off that I wouldn't have been able to use. Yeah. But I'm like going to be running low on meds. I'm leaving for Atlanta on Thursday because my mom's birthday is next week. So I'm hoping what I'm going to have him do is just write it out, put all the shit that he has to put on it according to the DEA chuds, and then um, uh, have him mail it to my parents' house. So. Oh my God. Uh, That sucks. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, that this is the downside of like having a, an out of state shrink. Like if you were in state, it would be a different thing. But but when it's out of state, there are these different things. And apparently, like it's never been um, discussed before. Like it's literally like they they printed something out and they gave it from from Walgreens 
It's dated 726. It's like select field leaders. The Drug Enforcement Administration has recently rescinded previous guidance that allowed pharmacists to modify or add missing elements to controlled substance prescriptions. Because in the past, like the pharmacist could add that stuff. Effective immediately, for all controlled substance prescriptions, all elements required by 21 CFR blah, 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 must be present on the prescription when it's received. Like just complete and utter bullshit. What problem is this solving? It's not. That's what I'm saying. It's like, look, if you're because here's the thing, like if you if if I guess that they're trying to be like, oh, well, if you're getting somebody out of state to write you it. I mean, I, I uh-huh. exactly I don't know what they're doing because I'm like, if you are really that hard up for it, you're just going to buy it on the street. Right. Yeah, Honestly, right. you're just going right. to buy it on the street. And, 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 and making things harder for people to get prescriptions. Exactly. It's just going to make more people buy it on this. 100%. No, I mean, that, 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 that's the thing with this. I'm like, okay, well, thank you very much for like making this really more complicated than it should be. And, and just like making me feel like I've done something wrong. When again, like they said, oh, the, the DEA has rescinded, you know, previous guidance. And it's like, but it's also <laughs> one of those things like, could I have had an email Walgreens? I don't know, you know, because this literally yeah. this happened like 10 days Dude, ago. Dude, Walgreens is, I mean, I get all my stuff to Walgreens. It's such yeah. a mysterious black hole. What do you know and what do you not know? I don't right. understand. Right. Yeah. So uh, my my doctor, just to talk about Walgreens for a second, my Please. doctor <laughs> ac- accidentally called in two of my scripts to Walgreens instead of my usual pharmacy. And- um, wow. immediately like Walgreens contacted me to, to clarify some things and let me know when I could pick it up. And then like, uh, I just let it be, I was like, fine. Okay. Uh, I let it be for a month. And then like a week before my scripts were due, they like called to like, make sure that like, uh, the, to call to renew any scripts that needed to be renewed. And to uh, and just to verify that they would be ready to pick up. And these are services that I have never had available through my my mom and pop pharmacy that I usually oh, wow. use. And I gotta say, it's nice, it was, right? It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it, it, here's here's what's even better. They'll send you text messages when you need to refill, and then you can yeah. use the app or the website and just yeah. like have it have it go through. It is yeah. really nice. I um my favorite pharmacist of all time. She she left, but she was uh, like the the head pharmacist at, at Publix um, when I lived in Atlanta for a long time. Ray, who more than once did some shady shit to make sure I had my my meds and that stuff yeah. was covered when insurance wasn't wanting to cover certain yeah. things like like gray was the shit but i Which will have to say why i go to the mom and pop farm totally, for that totally. yeah my walgreens I, has I done agree. that too yeah i was going to say well because publix obviously you know it, it's big supermarket chain you might not you're probably not familiar with it but it's a big uh, supermarket I chain am. in the in the south um in in georgia and especially florida um that was me rolling my eyes saying florida uh <laughs> but but this is like can typically be like the the benefit like if you get a good relationship with some of those pharmacies. I don't have a, a good pharmacist here um, in Seattle. I did at the Walgreens that was on campus, but I can't go to that one. I mean, I could, but I, I can't really go to that one anymore since I, I don't work at Microsoft proper. So I don't, I can't use their, their health clinic now, but there was a Walgreens on campus. It was great, but you've understood like you might not get the, 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 the love and care, but yeah. You get like the ability. <laughs> so many benefits. You get so many yeah. benefits. Like they're they're gonna like take care of you and 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 prescribe things. Plus, I will say the one nice thing, like even though I agree, like it's a it's a black hole of stuff. The great thing with Walgreens is that if it's not like a controlled substance or whatever, you can you can like move that shit to any Walgreens in the freaking country, any yeah. Dwayne Reed, any Bartels, like whatever millions of things they own, you can just like move it over and be like, I'm in this city and I'm picking this up now. It's pretty great. I. I once ran out of meds, uh, out of out of my ADHD meds while I was in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and um, I had the prescription. I actually had the written prescription, but it was from Minnesota, and I had to go to uh, six or seven different pharmacies in San Francisco uh, before CVS finally. They were like, oh, yeah, let, let's just call your pharmacist at home. And they called and they verified everything and they filled it for me. But holy shit, that was that was a lot of walking. 
Right. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Especially because, especially because like a lot of hills, you know, a lot, lot, lot of places where you're trying to find it. Yeah. 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 And I was staying at the Mosser and. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, and they had like an on-call doctor and that was where I started. And, and he was like, cause I was taking, I think 40 milligrams of focal in a day at the time. Um, and, and the doctor was like, I can help you out with a few, but that is way too many. <laughs> and he wouldn't, he wouldn't fill the script. So totally. Yeah. The, the adventure began. I tell you a yep. little quirk about my Walgreens. Uh, yes. First of all, in Minneapolis, after George Floyd was murdered, um, some opportunistic folks decided to just start raiding all the pharmacies as part of the Sure, you know, sure. uprising and or like sort of the the ripple effects of the uprising and so every walgreens in my area <clears throat> was looted most of them were burned and um and i had not gotten my prescriptions ahead of time and so i now have this tendency to try to if i can get like three months worth of my prescription because mm-hmm. i don't know when all my pharmacies are going to disappear yeah. but my actual walgreens which i am so loyal to even though my wife has been trying to get us to switch across the street to this grocery store uh got shot up about a year ago somebody oh, no. was trying to shoot through the bulletproof window to get in and 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 you know do the thing and there's so they got a lot of the framing so if you're driving up to a walgreens there's like a big window then you got the drawer that comes out you got a speaker that never really works that great anyhow sure, sure. these fuckers shot out that speaker there are bullet holes that i can put my finger through in the framing and fucking walgreens took until about two weeks ago to fix that speaker <laughs> so we were having to like and let me tell you i know a little bit about electronics it's like a three dollar speaker <laughs> and and so we were having to communicate with them through the drawer they'd open the drawer oh my and like God. stick their face <laughs> in the drawer <laughs> um, anyhow that's the south minneapolis walgreens problem Speaking of uprisings, I can yeah. I want to I want to talk about Woodstock '99. Yes. However, I was to say that first, that's a really good segue. I want to give a brief recap of Maxstock before we get to yes, Woodstock '99. Do it. Okay, um, do it. So Maxstock, it was a couple weeks ago now. Uh, it was it was fun. It was very small this year. Uh, it was about a third the size that it had been. Uh, last time that there was an in-person Mac stock, it's been a couple years due to the, you know, pandemic. And what? Um, but first of all, Aaron, uh, who's been on the show before, friend of the show, Aaron Dawson. Front of the, Dawson, show. <laughs> front of the pod, Aaron it. Dawson. Yes. Best presentation of, of the weekend. Uh, like, there's this tendency at a conference like that to talk about your favorite apps. And every white guy on the on the docket talks about their favorite apps for doing this or that. Uh, and and it, you get audience interaction. Everyone wants to talk about their favorite apps. And and it's just the easy go-to thing. And Erin didn't do any of that shit. Nice. Uh, she did a presentation where she talked about uh, how to make music using Logic or GarageBand to soundtrack your videos uh, without having any musical I knowledge. Awesome. That's a great I mean, I, one. I need to, yeah. and, and, and she, she recorded it, right? Is she it recorded? She recorded it. Maxstack puts it behind a paywall uh, that okay. you have to get like the digital pass, which I can help you guys get. But that's a little frustrating for Aaron, who made the 14-hour drive uh, to speak at a conference that was pretty low attendance this year right. and yeah. now doesn't have a public video she can show for it. So I want to I want to yeah. see if I can work with, with the organizers on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, because I, I, or especially like if if they want to have a paywall for like thirty days or something. Yeah, fine. exactly, exactly. But but it shouldn't be in perpetuity, especially like it because if they're not paying speakers and 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 I get that it's like an indie conference and whatnot. Yeah. Driving fourteen hours to come is a small thing to do that. I don't know. Like I I think that would be something that I hope. Oh, that's. Could work the, I out. mean, if they're not paying, well, I I have very yeah. strong feelings about not paying people, no matter how indie you are, you can pull together some money to pay someone. Yeah. Right. Like ask your mom. Um, but, <laughs> but then, then yeah. to put it on a, on a paywall, that is a shame. They well, can't even make that much money off of it. We, Sorry, Max, we Doc, have, I don't know who you are, but we had, we had some, some, some talks, uh, Jay Miller, uh, wow. who happens to be like the only black guy at Max stock. Um, Jay Miller, myself, uh, a couple of, uh, 
people representing the queer community. There was a lot of conversation about what Max thought could be versus what it is. Um, and there's some resistance from the organizers, uh, and I can't quite pinpoint what it is that that there's that he specifically is is scared of losing if if you bring in a committee, if you actually have Max Sack run by a committee of people representing, you know, a, a more diverse population and Mm -hmm. there i mean a good portion of the attendees this year were uh mug people by which i mean 70 plus white guys like great i've never heard that term mug people mac 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 user group yeah Um, i feel like i just got led in a little deeper which these days <laughs> skews much older. Well, uh, yeah, because anybody sure. who's go- well, look, because anybody who's going to go to a user group, like let's be honest, yeah. like is going to be older because that's yeah. Like I've yeah. never, I've never purposely gone. To, I mean, like I've I've gone to a couple of Mac. Like there was um a Omni did a, a Seattle um Mac user group thing that I, I went to a few times, and then they had layoffs, and then I felt bad because I was like, well, a lot of the people that I really liked at Omni don't work there anymore. And yeah. so that feels awkward if they're doing stuff like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But that was nice. That was nice to meet people in the Seattle area and it's a big area. But yeah, in general, it, it it's like, it goes back to like Usenet days, I think, right? Like, isn't that the whole like mug and lug yeah. thing? Yeah, so, it's the, the, old, the gray beard persona right. is who shows up for user mug groups. Mug and lug, Linux user groups and, and Mac user groups. Oh my God, Wait, I've and, been asleep. And, and no no hate for for that community. That's fine i just i don't pay to go to a conference uh to hang out with those people i go to hang out with people my age uh with similar interests and i mean it does serve as kind of a a family reunion of yeah. sorts but it also like maxac has the potential to be an actual conference uh no, that you don't pay that you. reaches out well that's one of the things. Well, yeah, I was like there say, are certain things they need to change. I, well, and maybe they. I mean, you, you know, the organizers. You can talk with them more, but it might come down to like I, I, I don't know because I understand what you're saying, and I, I, I would be with like you. Like I would, it would be good to have it uh, be like more committee, have more open. You know, bring in a, a more diverse group of participants. Um, but I can also think that if it's, if it's people who you have who've been coming to this thing and what your conference is, is a certain group of people who've always done things a certain way, even if it's not expanding, like to your own peril, maybe like that's just what it's going but to be, right? That's just a meetup. And if you're I just going to have disagree. a meetup, call it a meetup. I mean, I don't disagree, but I mean, what, what I'm saying is, is what you might have to come to terms with is that it's possible that the idea you have and the thing you're thinking of is that if MaxDoc doesn't want to do it, then maybe that's another event yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so that is absolutely something that's been on my mind is if, if MaxSoc isn't open to reshaping itself, um, I'm happy to keep going to MaxSoc in perpetuity, totally. but I would want to maybe like in Chicago proper start uh, like at first a meetup that could become a mini conference, but just a way to bring together all of the people that I would want to see once a year, yeah, uh, and and have a couple talks, but mostly like social time, and just I, I need to figure out how to make that appealing enough to get people from, say, California to fly in for a weekend. Yeah, you sh- you need to talk to Guy English is who you need to talk to. Yeah, I have a list of I have a list of people. This is this is actually uh, I've put a lot of thought into this. No, I'm so sure I'll you have. I'm, 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 I'm sure you have. I'm just saying because like what what it seems like you're describing is singleton and things like that. And yeah. and so which which was for well, people who don't know, which was thing. an amazing conference. If there are like current meetups happening that are big enough, like I'm happy to tack on my ideas to something else that already is established. Uh, so I need to do a little more research and I have a few Zoom calls set up with people just to find out like what they're into, what exists already uh, without reinventing the wheel. But anyway. Let me, no, no, let me add one thing. Nez, not on the planning committee, okay? Chicago is a lovely city, lived there, love it. Great like tech community. Minneapolis, hell of a lot cheaper to get That's to and stay. True. And, and also not, uh, better airport, frankly. 
Better airport. Oh my God. Huge <laughs> tech community. Way better airport. Huge tech community. There are already a couple of good tech conferences that come yeah. here every year. Oh, that's really smart. So, yeah, so I, put that I out just, there. Just don't go to Walgreens on Hiawatha because they shot up the speaker. <laughs> yeah, I lean towards Chicago just because it's that's where we go for max stock. But you're right. Minneapolis would be a better choice than Chicago. It would, um, all right. Good. All right. I will keep you all posted on progress there. Um, So uh, last night, Christina texted the group and said, uh, please watch this documentary on Max Stock. Max Stock. Woodstock. Woodstock 99. (laughs) And I had actually already finished it and uh, watched it in horror. Um, Christina, what did you, uh, what did you want to, how did you want to present this? Well, okay. So first of all, um, and I, did you ever watch the HBO max documentary on Woodstock from last year? Okay. Part of the music thank you. Thing? This is different because yes. fuck that one. Yeah. And I, th- I thought we were dealing with the same thing. And I yeah. was like, I am not going to watch a movie that a documentary that talks about sexual assault and shows tits for the first five minutes of the documentary. Yeah. Let's be clear. This is, this is, okay. this just came out. I believe yes. it was okay. on Netflix. I'm going to settle down. I just well, said tits for the first time. On, <laughs> I just couldn't figure out. Do I say boobies? Do I say, so what do there, I say? You but can this, say whatever you want to say. This, this, okay, did this have, I want to see then. This did have some boobs and they didn't did. talk about. That's the rampant sexual assault until the end of the second yeah. half of it. So the end. They didn't talk about exactly how much rape was happening. Well, can I just um, uh, then, because it, it, it's a serious subject, obviously. Did does that something that anybody else like like felt like was an issue in the HBO one? Because really, it I was in the first the moments. One, so I can't. Speak it was in the that. first five minutes. Then they do the montage, and you know yeah. the voices talking about it, and they're just showing like topless women, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're doing the thing, right? Yeah. I, I think this one was better than the HBO one in that regard because the way that it progresses. So it's three episodes. So it's it's like you know I guess it's probably two and a half hours if you were to to add it all up. Um, but they do it in three parts, and and the way that they kind of you know tell the story, a lot of it is is told through footage that people on the ground were taking, and some people who were you know part of the festival. They have talking heads with performers, but also with some of the MTV you know, people who were there and whatnot. Even a couple of attendees, Beavis and Butthead in attendance. Beavis and Butthead, these (laughs) these two guys, these these two 16-year-olds who were like one of them Seriously, like sounded like he was stoned. He had a mullet, like genuinely looked like 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 live action Beavis. Um, It's it's amazing. Um, But I think it was better than the HBO one. But I think to tell the story, like you have to like they they went through like day by day, like hour by hour, basically like how the event unfolded. Mm, Yeah. And in that regard, I think that it was okay to not lead with the sexual assault stuff. Because that's not like that happened at the beginning. Like it started out as this great thing. Everybody's having an awesome time. Then it starts to get crazier, like the first night with with corn, right? Where 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 things start to get a little bit out of control. And then like Bush Gavin is able to calm things down because mm-hmm. he's a pro and he knows how to yeah. handle a crowd. But then they have their first rave and shit kind of gets wild again. And then the second day, you know, it's like people start to get a little more riled up, a little bit bigger. That's when you have like Limp Biscuit come in. Then you have Holy like, shit. like you know, Fred just fuck, fuck him, up. fuck him, right? Like when he's, you know, doing that thing. And and then you have like, you know, like people literally like commandeering cars and trying to drive through the rave area and like Fat Boy Slim, Slim having to like, in his rave set and people that is when they first talk about like sexual assault and then mm-hmm. the third day when it just evolves into chaos so like i actually thought that the way that they told the story was really good because you felt the emotion of this thing which seemed like i think for a lot of people even people who were there who witnessed all the horror like they said like they had a great time like if you weren't you know somebody who was like a hurt or whatnot like you could see that it would be this crazy ass thing but you could still maybe have have good yeah. memories with your friends, but how this this event that was just mishandled by the the you know um, the the people who were promoters, running it, the promoters, yeah. the fucking fucking criminal, right? Like they're they're the ones who yeah. you know really well, intentionally obtuse, in my opinion. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Like like this one fucking promoter, like the guy who's dead. I don't give a shit. The guy who created Woodstock, fuck off, dude. Like yeah, he yeah, he yeah. he like like he he can seriously like I don't give a shit. But there's this yeah. other guy who was like the money guy because they'd lost money on Woodstock '94 and they were like, okay, we got to make money on this one. 
And when he's asked about the sexual assault stuff at the end, he's like, well, I'm not saying that it's good, but this was like a small city. And if you look at the number of oh rapes God. that happen in a small city, this is actually less than that. And I, w- and I wanted to reach through the, through the television screen and like kill the guy. Right. Because yeah. it's just not the response. Um, but so you but, doxed him instead. Well, I mean, you know, but, 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 but what I was but like, what's, I want to get your thoughts, Brett, but what I thought was really interesting about it was like, A, I was brought back to that time. And I remember wanting to go to that concert so badly. Mm. And obviously my parents wouldn't let me go, right? There was no way they were going to let me go uh, to, to, you know, upstate New York to go to a concert. Like they would never in a million years. I was in high school. I was like 15 or 16. They would never let me go. But I remember watching it and I was brought back to like the way that it unfolded and the way that like, not only did they have the pay-per-view, but like MTV was, was playing stuff live and like was reporting on stuff. And the fact that you saw it as that weekend went on, you saw the same shift that you could feel the crowd have where it like went from this thing that was great into this thing that was just terrible. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like in general, the media coverage did not like, I don't remember my impression of what I saw on the news matching what I saw in this documentary. I mean, yeah, we all knew it went to shit. We all right. knew we didn't see didn't all of that. Well. Yeah. Cause I, cause I think that they, I don't think that they knew, like, I think that as soon as it was clear, like, like I think that the Sunday stuff, I think it was clear, but I definitely yeah. think that like MTV, cause like Ananda Lewis, who still looks amazing by the way, like she looks fucking fantastic. <laughs> She's interviewed in it because she was, she was um like, she had to leave the beach house and go to fucking yeah, Woodstock right? 99. She was really pissed about that. I don't blame her. Um, you know, she like they could tell that stuff was like kind of like getting crazy like that first night, but especially the mm-hmm. second day. And MTV certainly didn't portray that to anybody watching at home. Like nobody at home knew until the third day when like the fires and shit started. Right when they handed out fucking candles, fucking idiots <laughs> for a fucking. For, and ironically, what was for, it for? What were the candles for? Um, it was for it was, a it was, vigil like, for gun violence. For, for gun violence, they they were trying to make do a whole Columbine thing. Oh, look how beautiful it is. Yeah, so we're just gonna hand out um, uh, you know, a uh, because they still candles. thought this was Woodstock in the sixties. They still thought there was peace and love happening, and everyone would settle down and hold on to <laughs> live flames. <laughs> It's like in the 60s, they wouldn't have done that shit if you'd treated people the way you treated them, right? Like it was, right. you know, it, 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 the, what, what, but I remember, because I think you're right. I don't think that people knew how bad it was until the third day. And then when all the footage came afterwards, and then everybody, and it was interesting to kind of see like the news division of MTV. I remember this, like their take on it versus, you know, yeah, the entertainment ask. part. Because, because like MTV News, I remember being pretty critical about it. But yet, like Kurt and and Serena Kurt and Ananda were all there. We were trying to put this face on it, um, like they knew things were fucked up, and they were trying to yep. be like, "Well, you know, it's a festival." But they're on live TV, and, yeah, because they're live right. TV, and I I, I I kind of don't blame them for that. Like, if if you're like a live host, it's a little bit different than like the sure. ABC News guy, you know, who was able to yeah. kind of be a little bit better about things. But but I do remember MTV after the fact. I remember they did a special going into all the horror and like focusing on that. I do remember that. I do remember. Yeah, the I don't MTV remember news. that. Yeah, and they didn't cover that yeah. in the documentary. But I remember that explicitly because that was one of the first times I remember, like, as a media student, thinking, "Oh, that's interesting," because they were promoters of this and they were part of the hype of this. But then there has to be this other section of this organization where they have different standards, right? Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing, right? Where all the news media was kind of complicit in some ways. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like yeah. Dur- during this period in, in my life, I was not at all interested. I was not the kind of person who would go to Woodstock 99. And I saw the news coverage in passing. Um, I, I knew there were a bunch of people covered in mud at some point and that there were some fires and I did not realize that the whole goddamn place burned mm-hmm. with trucks exploding and oh, yeah. people 
I mean, it's amazing that nobody died, honestly. Right. Yeah, it is amazing that nobody died. It was pure anarchy. It it was pure anarchy. I mean, and it was the thing like, you know, because like 94, I remember the mud and everyone remembers that stuff. But this was so much worse. This was like, they started tearing stuff down like on Saturday. But then like Sunday, they literally burned the place to the fucking ground. They took down the the PA towers. They took down the food court. They started smashing ATM machines. Oh, yeah. sorry, I mean, I mean, ATMs. Yeah. Sorry, the M the M stands <laughs> exactly. for machine. ATM uh, machine is redundant. Sorry. There, there's, well there's done. This, well there's done. There's this lady who who would, this this old lady who was like yelling at, at the kids, trying to get them to clean up because she was like part of the original Woodstock right. thing, and out, and, trying to hand out garbage bags. And and, and 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 they were like not having her, but she was kind of awesome because she like was like, "What is this?" And she was like, "This is what we did. This was Woodstock '99." Like she was like very clear about yeah. like about like the about the complicity um, um like. Of, of the of the you know organizers and the promoters and this but but yeah i mean this is it was true anarchy it's amazing no one died because like you think about um uh astroworld which which happened um last year uh that where you know a, a couple people died and that from the crush of the crowds and and that was being broadcast on live stream and people saw kind of this horror and how how bad that was this was so much worse and it was being broadcast on a pay-per-view that they were charging sixty freaking dollars for in nineteen ninety-nine. You know? What nobody had smartphones. It no, would have bro, been a very different documentary if that had happened. Oh, in you're not you're not wrong. Oh well, totally, totally. But 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 yet people did have cameras with them and other stuff. But again, this was being broadcast live. I mean, this is still what's insane to me is that like you know, uh, there was this one guy, like this was actually kind of, you would, I think probably appreciate this, Jeff. Like there are these, these people who were like videographers who they, they went back into the chaos because they're like, we got to get the shot. We mm-hmm. got to like, mm-hmm. we got to record saw, this. We, they we, saw we the fire start and they're like, they we saw the fire leave. start and they were like, no, we can't leave. So they like went back into it, which yeah. had, I mean, you know, if fuck, I mean, if you were witness to something like that, it would be they, I don't know. They had already evacuated Fatboy Slim. Yeah. And all of the camera people were getting ready to evacuate, like run. And they saw this tower starting to come down. And this like young journalist uh, who was telling the story in the documentary was like, we can't miss this. This is so- something is happening here. And mm-hmm. what frat boys, man, like that was it's this mentality. I'm not saying everyone there was a frat boy, oh, but no. it's no, this but, but, mentality but, of like well, it was. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it was. I mean, I think that they put it in really good context. It was like the type of music. It was the the machismo that was happening. It was the fact that it was hot. It was the fact that they were charging ridiculous amounts of, of oh, money, even by today's twelve dollars for, for a bottle of water. Even now would be even crazy. now would be nuts, even- especially when they refused to let people bring water in. Like mm-hmm. they made people yeah. like like throw away their water bottles when they got into the yeah. venue like yeah. just just terrible stuff and yeah. um but, but definitely i think the culture of the time because i remember you know going to concerts and going to big festivals not anything like there was a there was a concert it was like at the atlanta motor speedway and it was i think the week before or two weeks before woodstock 99 and many of the same bands at Woodstock 99, we're at this thing. But it was a one-day thing instead of a three-day thing. And it mm-hmm. was, up until Woodstock 99, it was like the biggest crowd for some sort of concert that had existed. And it was it was like over 100,000 people. It was like, you know, 150,000 people or something. And I remember crowd surfing in that. And I remember, I remember being groped. I remember, you know, like sure. kind of that whole thing, right? And like in, in a way that I hadn't ever really been like at, at other stuff. Like I remember... So yeah, I think it was very much kind of of that time, you know, where just not frat boys because the a lot of these guys weren't frat boys, just like angry, like entitled spring, spring breakers, spring break, just like white dudes, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. And it, that's did you notice that too, Brett? Like it was so fucking white. Oh, so white. Yeah, absolutely, almost a hundred percent. Yeah. You, uh, I'm by the way, the, the lineup and it makes that um, evident without right. seeing it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta feel for Cheryl Crow in this whole situation. But oh yeah, should should we try to fit in a gratitude before uh, Christina has to run to Sure, but hold on, I'm looking at the lineup. Where's Cheryl Crow in this picture? Oh yeah, here she's on Friday East Stage. About yeah, way through er, the day early before on, corn. 
early on, early enough to have people yelling, show your tits, but not so late that they were ready to tear down the stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and Jewel, Jewel was attacked, you know, too. I mean, I feel, I feel bad for Jewel. Well, you know, this was what's weird, too, is that, like, fucking Lilith Fair was also happening that summer. So, mm. you know, I get I get why yeah. you go to Woodstock 99, but I bet that if they'd, if they'd thought about it a little bit harder, be like, you know what? Even if this is going to be huge, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. headlining Lilith Fair. Fuck, fuck this thing. Yeah. I think in anytime retro- you find yourself- they probably did. Anytime you look at the the lineup and you go, I'm kind of opening for corn or insane clown posse <laughs> right. or like biscuit. Yeah, that's not my place. I am not. That is not me saying they should not have been there so that they didn't get. I'm not. That's not my point. I'm just looking at the, if they had flipped these lineups because a lot of the yeah. midday lineups are like pretty chill, and the late oh, no, the late totally. night well, lineups that, are like well, oh that's Jesus. The thing. It, it, well, that was the thing. Like I think the first night was probably the only night they nailed it because they had corn go who killed it you know and 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 they interviewed um what's his face from corn who was actually seems like a really cool guy um but but then they had bush have to follow up which which sucked for bush a little right. bit but gavin is a pro and like calmed the crowd down like it didn't it didn't go off the rails which you know yeah. like because there was a ton of pent-up energy and it could have gone really badly that first night but but he was able to you know like with his hotness like kind of like bring it, bring, <laughs> I didn't, bring the level okay, down. So I never, I never followed Bush and I had actually never seen uh, <laughs> this, this Gavin guy until this documentary. He is, he a seems like a good egg. He, he's a beautiful he man. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, Holy give shit. Me other, in, in 1999. Other, other than cheating on, on Gwen Stefani with the, with the um, babysitter uh, with the nanny. Oh, you guys I, know about that? I, no, they're no, they're, they're married for life. They didn't tell they're me about married. that. They were married for 20 years <laughs> and she found out because of, uh, he was using like the family iPad to like send iMessages messages to the nanny. And then like, mm. bro, can't, can't use the same, um, you know, Apple ID when you're like sexting your nanny on like the family iPad. Anyway, she's, Jesus she's Christ. now, she's now married to, to one of the voice dudes. She's fine. But, but, uh, okay. but yeah, they were the ultimate power <laughs> couple though. Cause imagine like, like two of the most yeah. beautiful people on earth, like when, you know, Gwen <laughs> Stefani and, and Gavin Rosdale. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right. All right. Christina, just in case you have to leave yeah, yeah, go early, first. go first. Okay. Um, so my gratitude. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about, have we talked to, have, have I mentioned tables plus before? No. Uh, oh, by no. the way, by the way, I just want to make it a rule that we can repeat shit. If like <laughs> new, if new versions come out, or we just have like excessive gratitude for some, like we're I have excessive gratitude. I will table forget. Plus. <laughs> I will forget. Yeah. But yeah, tell us about Table Plus. Okay, so so Table Plus is a really great uh, uh, sequel, um, kind of a GUI kind of app. It'll, it deals with MySQL, deals with Postgres, deals with a bunch of stuff. It's really really good. It's part of Setup, but you can also um, buy it directly from um, their their website. They also have a Windows and a Linux version. Um, it's kept up to date really well. And there used to be a couple of good kind of SQL visualization apps for, for Mac OS if you wanted to use like, you know, like a, a, a database manager that, that wasn't like a, you know, a, a GUI web thing. Um, but most of them haven't been updated and, and aren't um, still kept up. This one is um, they, they handle their issues on, um, on, on GitHub, which is nice. It's not open source, but, but the, the issues are handled on GitHub, which I really do appreciate. And this is, um, I'm uh, trying to fix my website, which has been offline for a long time, uh, because of my fucking web host. And so I've been going through some stuff and this has been really, really helpful just in terms of app, uh, like a, a, a way to, to deal with having to make a bunch of changes to a bunch of um, um, tables and databases. But it works with MySQL, works with um, uh, Amazon uh, Redshift, uh, SQLite, uh, um, Oracle, SQLite, Mongo. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm I'm a big fan. Um, it like I said, it, it's um, you can get it uh, directly from a, a tableplus.com, but you can also it's part of Setup, which is really nice. So if you're a Setup subscriber, which I, we we they are not sponsoring this, but uh, we are all fans. <laughs> um, want to give want to give that a shout because I've used it for a long time, and um, they're also really responsive on Twitter and on GitHub. If you have like requests for other things, like they're really really responsive devs. So I want to give them a shout out because this has been helping me with with dealing with some um, bladed old crufty web shit. 
Nice. Yeah, I've, I've been using um, Table Plus for about 10 years, I think. And I ha- totally have a wandering eye for other um, similar apps. And I have never, ever been pulled away from Table Plus. That's all. Good stuff. I agree. Fantastic. All right, Jeff. What are you doing? You open a pack of smokes over there? Can't tell what you're doing. It's a screwdriver. A screwdriver. I understand that happens in the middle of the podcast. My keyboard has a leg that's loose and it's driving. No, you go and you go and fix your fucking keyboard. I'll just talk. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us Um, tell us what you got. Mine is mine is an app called Ruin. Ruin. R-O-O-N. So I have this thing where I'm I'm just looking always for the right music player. So I obviously have used Apple Music and iTunes before forever. I never liked iTunes except for some of its interface. I didn't like what it did to my files and always frustrated me. And I finally decided to take a total audio nerd jump. And I still have a ton of my CDs. It, mostly I've kept the ones that like really mean something to me as I've watched over the years, as I've watched them either disappear from streaming or never show up. And so I have this like, I need to keep the ones I love because I never know if they're going to be gone. And when, of course, I could buy them on eBay anytime. But anyway, what I've decided to do before getting rid of them possibly is upload all of them as FLAC files, which is the Mm -hmm. audio nerd file uh, format. And um, I'm partly doing that because my father is my father who retired on a public teacher's salary, um, but is like a master at electronics, um, is able to sort of buy all of this high end audio gear when it's not quite working and fix it. And so he has this what is probably like a $40,000 stereo system. And one day I'll inherit it. So I, I might as well have Amazing. my CD files, my digital files in a good format. <laughs> and so he kind of talked me into it. Um, and so once I did that, I had the problem of like, okay, so now how do I use these files? How can I like interface with these files because what's actually cool to be an old man for a minute what's cool about having a cd collection still is like it's the last true curation experience of my (laughs) of my like regular life so vinyl is something that was you know i have tons of records and it is a curation thing but vinyl is something where like i've bought records because they were three dollars or whatever but my Mm -hmm. cds were always like very intentional you know And so it's kind of fun to have uploaded all of them about halfway through and have this like curated library. It's not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. But the problem was, how do I see other music that streams alongside these? And that is Mm. Roon, R-O-O-N, is like this high-end audio app that does not satisfy even half of my needs, but is the only thing that satisfies at least half of them. And what it does primarily is I use, I've started to use Tidal, which I really love. Also an audio nerd move. And so it it can let my title and and my FLAC files live next to each other in one interface. Nice. And it also has some bananas uh audio features in terms of EQing and doing all kinds of shit to make like a you know particular pair of headphones or whatever sound right. So I'm just having a lot of fun with it. Now I look and I see I have one day left on my free trial. So I don't know yet if I'm gonna I was going to say, because it, it's, it's like $10 a month or something. It's if I'm $10 looking at it. a month. And then, you know, on top of that, title's expensive. It, right. Know? Okay. So so I'm going to recommend that you talk to Federico uh, Vici because he's been doing some similar stuff with it. Mm. Like he's, he's put everything in flex and other things. You should yeah. re- you should read some of the stuff on Mac stories and see some of okay. his take um, and maybe even like DM him. That's that's my yeah. advice to you because this okay. looks great, but if it doesn't do everything you want it to do, and it's ten dollars a month, I mean, I know, but like at the same time, like yeah. music is for me. Like I agree, I'm so such an obsessive. Like it's like kind of the one thing that's worth spending money on for me. It's like I I am so completely in love with music always. Hello. Wow, you just switched into pink headphones. Oh, you've got headphones. I, she's like she's on the phone now. Hey, she's hello. Gonna do her- She's going to do her therapy on the phone. Yes, sorry about that. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. I just have a couple questions for your doctor. <laughs> I think she wants you to get her I off think, the call. I, I don't know how. Okay, she's on mute now. Okay, Christina is out. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's going to be almost like couples therapy for podcast hosts. Just that was going to Yeah, that was going to be interesting. Uh, Jeff, have you heard of Retro Batch? No. Uh, it's this app from Flying Meat, who also makes Acorn. Flying Meat? That sounds like an awful scenario. 
Uh, he, okay. he was named after he's a rock climber. Gus is, and I believe flying meat is a reference to a specific, uh, like cliff, uh, on a climbing route that deer are known to fling themselves off of. Um, but anyway, retro batch is this Ooh. image hand image manipulation automation app. Ooh, this is cool. You get like this, you get a grid and you drag nodes onto it with things like read this folder of image uh, images, uh, resize every image to this dimension, crop it to this, output a JPEG and a, and a PNG file. The interface um, reminds me of how Alfred's workflows are built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, node based node based development of a workflow. Yeah. Um, and then it can get like that alone is worth the price. Just like I have, for example, I have a template for designing header images for my blog. Ooh. And and I put my like the focal point of the header goes into a certain part of the grid. Mm-hmm. And then I run it through I, I output a large JPEG and I run it through RetroBatch and it crops down and makes Twitter images, Facebook images, uh, 2X and 1X blog images, and large and small, and it outputs them all from this one image that I save out of my That's image editor. That's um, Yeah, it's amazing. Plus, you can get deep. Like, you can automate with AppleScript. You can write plugins with JavaScript, uh, oh. screenshots, simlink, clipboards, like, it and in addition to all of the transforming and converting that it can do, it is top notch. I just downloaded it. That is awesome. I've been on it since the beta. It costs it's like twenty dollars. It's mm-hmm. super affordable for what it for the power it has. Like a one time thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like straight up twenty dollars. Oh. Okay. I just went to the buy page and it says we're celebrating Flying Meat's twentieth anniversary by lowering or raising the price of everything to $20. So I can't remember what it costs normally, but now is the time That's to genius. get it. Wait, apparently. this is Oh, oh yeah, it's it's normally 30. So right now you can get it for $20. So the app is not 20 is years old, but Flying Meat is 20 years Correct. old. Correct. Correct. So how, what did Acorn Flying Meat might do in be. the Oh, Acorn. Acorn is the uh That's the right. long long running a- Acorn was around long before Pixelmator long before affinity like acorn if you needed to do image editing on a mac without buying photoshop yeah uh acorn was where you went and the name flying meat comes from a fun rock climb in missouri uh the climb is named after an unfortunate deer that jumped off the top witnessed by the fellow who first found the climb as he was going up it and thus it was named (laughs) flying Meat. that's a good bit Uh, uh, I had pizza with Gus in San Francisco once, and he told me this story, and I had forgotten the details, but I still recall <laughs> it had to do with a deer flying off of a cliff. It's good, and it almost seems like flying meat is like Gus, Gus's wife, and Gus's daughter. Uh, they, I believe they they do like uh, PR and customer support with him. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. I'll check that out. That looks amazing. Actually, it looks far preferable to doing it with um, shortcuts, which are still so yeah. kind of annoying to me. Man, I, I got into shortcuts this weekend because I yeah. added shortcut commands to Bunch. Uh-huh. Uh, Bunch oh, can nice. now, Bunch can call shortcuts, send text, and receive responses from shortcuts. Damn. Uh, that you can then apply to variables and use in various ways. That's but uh, as I hadn't gotten into shortcuts yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm an automator guy. Everything I have is written in automator. It fit my needs. If I didn't, if I wasn't using automator, I was using tools like keyboard maestro, et cetera. Um, But then I found out you can just drag an automator workflow into shortcuts and it will turn it into a shortcut for you. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And and 90% of the ones I've tried worked great. Um, That's awesome. I had some issues with ones that rely on Ruby scripting, um, and, uh, the, using the system Ruby was different than my ability to use what end returns. But anyway, um, I'm finally getting in shortcuts is better than automator. Oh uh, yeah. Just the fact that you have loops. Oh, I don't, then- I don't dislike it. 
I just find that sometimes what I want to do by the time I've a- achieved it, I'm like, yeah. it just feels clunky. I don't really, yeah. if it breaks, I won't know why. Like, yeah. That's how I feel. Oh I don't God, know yeah. that that's fair. I just, oh, you know. yeah. No, it's everything's <laughs> fragile. I mean, anything in automation is fragile. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right. Cool. Yeah, this was good. I'm sorry, Christina had to leave us, but some things are more important. I understand. Yeah. She kind of began and ended this one with the mental health corner. Let's just uh, applaud her for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Oh, you know what? Let's let's recap. Mm, recap. Let's recap. <clears throat> what have we talked about today? We talked about we talked about we got your mental health corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about we, being curious. Talked and, about hypomania versus mania. Uh, uh, pharmacies. Uh, pharmacies. Mm. Walgreens specifically. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we got into we talked a little bit about Maxstock and the future of of a small conference. Uh, we yep. got into the Woodstock '99 documentary on Netflix. We actually spent a good amount of time it's talking true. about, and the, I was I was tragedy. happy to talk about it once I realized it wasn't the HBO documentary, <laughs> which I have real problems with. <laughs> and then and then we got we got your graptitude. Mm-hmm. We got we got some great picks, and and Christina had to ditch out before the end, but. She had table plus. It was a it was a good episode. Everyone mm. should everyone mm. everyone who's hearing this little bit as just a clip, you should tune into the episode. It was worth it. Tune in. Tune in. Get, Get some, some sleep, sleep, Jeff. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. The system is going down low.